This week on the Indiana Bible College podcast, we have our guest speaker, Brother Bill Hobson. It's, uh, it's such an honor to, to serve with Brother Tony as uh, North American Mission Secretary. Just a, a great privilege to see what the Lord is doing across North America. And it's, it's an honor also to be connected to Indiana Bible College. I, I, I love Indiana Bible College. I am honored to, in fact, growing up at Calvary Tabernacle, I'm, I'm honored to still call Pastor Mooney my pastor. And uh, just so, so dearly love the Moonies and their leadership. And, of course, the Roden Bushes are dear friends of ours and their leadership here at Indiana Bible College. And, of course, the great staff and the great uh, faculty and uh, people like the Galleons who are just, you know, they could be anywhere. And In fact, any one of these members of the faculty could be anywhere doing many other things. Uh, but yet they cho- chose to be with you and to propagate the gospel and to see what God is going to do in the future. And uh, it's just an honor to be here. I love, of course, Brother Rodenbush. We love love dearly and uh, just uh, his incredible influence. And, of course, uh, you know, Brother Kilman, I mean, the guy's, the guy could really beat Rush Limbaugh. I mean, he has less of his brain that he uses. And uh, it's just an incredible, incredible blessing. Uh, But if you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 4. It's always wonderful to come back here, see so many people that I know. Uh, Many of you, I I grew up with your parents, which that's that's not really a happy thought for me. Uh, That, that, uh, uh, you know, but uh, it it is an incredible honor to be here. Matthew 4, verse 18. It says... And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He said unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father. They were mending their nets, and he called them. Let's let's pray just a moment and ask the Lord to really touch our hearts today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you have given, the power and demonstration that we have felt already. Thank you for our time together. Minister to every heart, every life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today. This is a scripture that many use, no doubt, for the purpose of discussing the call of God. We talk about the great call of God and the great purpose that God has established in us and We've many times preached on the very subjects that are represented in these verses. Yet many times we don't consider the actual fact of what happened at that moment. It was probably the most absurd element when you really dissect what took place. It really did not make sense. 
it really did not seem like it was a rational decision. Because considering the fact that you have a stranger walking down the seaside. And then you have an individual calling out to you as you are in the midst of doing what you know to do because your dad did what he knew to do. Your, your parents, your grandparents, they were fishermen. No doubt they would have been fishermen from generations. That was what they were built to do. That's what the assumption was that they were going to do. One group was in the process of fishing. The other was simply mending nets, preparing to fish. Some were in preparation for what they would do. Others were in the middle of the battle doing what they were already supposed to do. And yet this stranger comes by and calls them by name. It didn't make sense. It simply was an amazing thing that they dropped their nets. Why would you drop your nets? Why would you give up a future? Why would you give up the known to walk into the unknown? Why would you give up the security to walk into insecurity? Why would you listen to a stranger that simply is telling you, hey, you want to go fishing? But it's going to be a little different than what you did in your life up till now. You're going to leave the security of your home. You're going to leave the security of your future. And you're going to give that security up to an unknown. But had they really understood the full context of which they lived, they would have understood something very valuable. They were really taking no chance at all because what they were doing was giving up the whims of possibilities of whether or not fish would bite, whether or not they would be there or not. They were giving up that to simply be with the one who made the fish, who was able to do the impossible in every circumstance. They gave their future to someone that they had just met with no knowledge of his ability or his uh, his power and his miracle working. But can I tell you that there is something in my spirit today that simply says, if I'm going to go, go all out. If I'm going to do it, I might as well jump in with all that I have. It's a weird connection, you know. We have weird dynamics family-wise. My brother-in-law happens to have a brother who is the, has been and holds, has held the title as poker champion of the world. In fact, uh, he is the commentator of the World Poker Championship. And and I, I heard uh, him make a statement one time. I'm not, never have, never will play poker. I have no clue about the rules. Don't want to know about the rules. But I've heard him make the statement a few times, uh, all in. And I asked him one time, what does all in mean? He said it simply means that. It is just all in. There's not going to be a another hand if it doesn't work it's just simply all in can I tell you there's a point when it really doesn't matter whether or not we connect all the dots there's a point where I really don't matter whether or not it all seems like I can figure it out there's just a point where you just have to jump where you just have to get in where you just simply say I'm going all in 
how it may seem strange that I would come and speak to you. You say, I've already left certain things. I'm talking to some that left degrees. You left circumstance. You left scholarships in secular world and environment. But something happened in your spirit that said, I've just got to go all in. It's not about my plan. It's about his plan. It's about his purpose. It's about something greater than where I'm at today. You see, Herman Cortez, I believe the year was 1519, set sail with 11 ships, 500 soldiers, 100 sailors, 16 horses from Cuba to the Yucatan Peninsula. They made their way. Their one goal and mission was to take the world's richest treasures. For 600 years it had been and stayed within the same army. But yet before he made his great valid attempt to follow along, he interviewed all that wanted to go up sign. He said, you know what? I'm going to do things a little different this time. I'm not just going to take volunteers, but I'm going to look every individual that goes with me in the eyes because this is an important battle. This is an important thing that we're going to do. It's going to require commitment unlike they have ever experienced. And so it was said that he asked what it would be like to each individual if you were able to touch the treasure. What would it be like for your family? How would your life change if you came back with this great treasure? He sold them on a vision and a purpose. But it was said that halfway across, there were many that began to examine what was happening at that present moment. They didn't like the seasickness. They didn't like the circumstances. Oh, it's great and wonderful. We're starting out with a big bang. But I tell you, there's going to be weeks and days. You're not going to like the circumstance you're not going to like the difficulties but he said you know what I got to understand I want you to understand I want to look in your eyes and say there's a treasure there's something special there's something glorious I want you to think what it's going to be like that it changes the whole DNA of what happened in your past I don't care what your pedigree is I don't care about what your parents or grandparents did or did not do what I want you to do is understand if God tarries where are those kids where are those grandkids what's going to take place in their lives I'm about changing an entire structure of the future he said I want you to think about it I want you to get it in your mind's eye they continued on But when they finally got to the seashore, he did something rather absurd. He called them all together and said, we're about to go into the greatest battle of our lives. But you fully don't understand what type of battle this is. Because it's either all or nothing. They didn't fully understand until he called those with the torches. And they began to torch the ships. They said, what are you doing? He said, 
I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm burning the ships. What do you mean burning the ships? What if it doesn't work? He said, there is no chance but victory. If we go home, we will not go home on our ships. We will go in their ships. And as a result, they defeated the army. Because there's something different about just being partial, halfway committed. There's something different beyond than just saying, well, I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to be in this a little bit. Come on. Now is not the time to be in this thing a little bit. Now's the time to go all in. Not just a part, all in. It's time to go all in for the sake of the call. It's time to go all in for the purpose that God has established inside of you. Yes, there will be distractions. Yes, there will be wonderful opportunities for you to develop relationships that will last a lifetime. But in the midst of all of that, don't forget the main reason, the main purpose you walked away from other things is simply, I must go all in this thing. All in is a powerful thing. All in says there's no other options. It's, it's the story of William Barrett Travis, who was Colonel William Barrett Travis, just a lone soldier with a few men in the walls of the Alamo. Historians tell us different accounts. Some believe he drew a line in the sand with a sword. Others say well, they don't really know if he did or not. It really doesn't matter. We do know this, that in the writings that came out of there, he made a... He made some statements and some of the writings to Sam Houston and others. And we know that there was an assembling of the men. And we know that one man actually decided out of the many that he would not take that stand. And so whether or not he drew a line in the sand with a sword, it's immaterial. The truth of the matter is uh, he no doubt drew a line in the sand and one chose not to overtake that. And, but yet in, in his writings it was said uh, that he said to his men at one point gathering them together. He said, I want you to understand. Understand, He said, we must fight until the last man standing. He said, this I will do if I am the last man and I am the only man. But if that be the case, he said, let my sword, my scrapboard be empty and let my sword be bred with the blood of the men who would deny my freedom. That sounds pretty powerful and spectacular. But he also wrote a note to his daughter that would never see him again. His young daughter, he was able to submit and give a little note to some of the, the slaves there. And they were able to get it away. Some of the ladies that were survivors of the Alamo were able to later get it to Barrett's wife. But in that letter, he wrote these words to his daughter. He said, had I lived, I would have no doubt left for you a splendid fortune. But now, all you will have left is the proud recollection of a father who died for freedom's sake. Something about the passion. He said I will do this. Because it will cost the enemy so great. That they will not be able to recover. And it was true that his, it did cost the enemy so great. And allowed Sam Houston to come in later. And defeat Santa Ann. But I'm not here to give you a history lesson. But what I'm here today to say is this. The history is full of people. Who have made sacrifices far greater than anyone in this room have made. But can I tell you. There's something inside of my spirit that says. This is the generation that it's time.
time to arise. This is the time in which we are in. Never before has America been so morally bankrupt than it is today. Never before have we faced the horrible darkness that is upon this world. But never before has there been a generation that wants to arise and say, it's time to go all in. You see, go all in. Why? Because the city's demanded. Why? The lost are hungry for it. All in. Because there are people who need it. In the midst of your bad day, you have no idea what God has in store. Because God is always able to make what is bad good. All things, we talk about it so readily, work together for, we love to talk about it. What did it say? For the good. To those who are what? Love God and are what? What? Called? What? Called according to His purpose. It'll just all work out. I mean, what, almost two weeks ago, I, you know, I was on a plane, and, uh, I was going out of Atlanta, and, uh, you know, it was kind of a normal day, just take off, you know. That was a problem. As we're taking off, I start hearing, that's never a good sound, especially when you're on an airplane. And then, then the, which was obvious, now, again, I'm not going to get an Oscar for my sound effects, okay? I get it. But it was obvious that we had a tire issue. And that's not a good thing when you're about to take off. Because you, eventually you're going to have to land. Well, we solved that problem. It blew off. Now we don't have to worry about the tire anymore. Well... But then the next problem ensued. Part of the tire flew into the engine. And then as we're taking off, we're off the ground, I'm hearing, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. That's really not a good problem. And you're feeling it, and all of a sudden, no longer are you flying, you're kind of, for lack of a better word, falling. That's not a good thing. But I survived, can you tell? But we, we had to fly at 2,000 feet, and pilot come on and said, well, we had a little problem with our engine. You think we're going to have to return back? We're going to have to make an emergency landing. Okay. Well, would you say that that's probably not a good day? No. We land. They have to tow us back. They put us on another plane. We fly to, we're going to Dallas. Well, the only problem was on the way to Dallas, thunderstorms rolled in. and Well... I'm already three hours behind. Maybe we might as well just make a little more. And sure enough, we did. Circled around Dallas for a while, waiting for the airport to open up. And then they said, oh, yeah, we've got a problem. What now? 
Well, we're running out of fuel. Okay. We're going to have to divert to Austin. Austin is kind of in the same geographic location as Dallas is. About like we are from Indianapolis to Chicago, I guess. Okay, so we land there at Austin. Then they said, oh, it's going to be just a few minutes. Yeah, anytime they ever tell you that, they're lying. Three and a half hours later. They said, we got another problem. What now? At least we're on the ground this time. Yeah, our crew's timed out. Um, we're going to have to bus you to Dallas. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm tired. I don't want to be bused to Dallas. So I was a little honorary, probably a little. I just said to the flight attendant, the flight gate agent, I said, you know what, not to be rude or anything, but I'm not going to Dallas on a bus. I'm going to bed. Get me a hotel and fly me to Dallas tomorrow. You know what? I was tired. I was weary. I was frustrated. Because the whole reason I was going to Dallas was to be there that night. So I guess I wasn't going to make it. But you know, it's a bad day. Would, would, would that count as a bad day? Anybody? But on the way to the hotel, sitting in the little van with the, a guy and get to talking and I said, you know, I'm kind of hungry. I said, I am too. And before it's all said and done, he said, hey, he said, you, you want to go share a cap? I said, all right, let's, let's do that. Let's go eat something. So we sit down. And this bad day, I start understanding a little bit about where God and what Brother Sleva was talking about tonight. Because I sit down with this man, and after just about 10 minutes of him figuring out that I was a preacher, he said, you know, he said, life's not been easy recently. He starts laying out the story of losing his wife and chaos that has been ensuing in his life and difficulties and job circumstances. And I said, where do you live? He said, well, I live such and such. And we began to talk about what we believe. And he began to ask questions and with tears. It was interesting because even the guy beside us, he wasn't even involved in the conversation. But as we're, we, we, he just, he, he ate his meal and then he just kind of said, God bless on the way out. And I thought, where did he come from? But before it was all said and done, the man said, you know, I'm going to be moving to such and such area. Do you have any idea if there's any churches in the area? I said, I've got friends in that area. I said, yeah. He said, you know what? This may just be a God thing. You know, yes, it was a God thing. You know what? You may go through some difficulties and trials and junk in your life, but be very much aware that maybe it's just the fact that all things are going to work together for the good to them that are called according to His purpose. You see... It's about going all in because what I found out, again, reassured that this world is hungry. They are desperately looking for somebody who will open up and say, I need God. I'm going to help you get to God. I recognize that it's time to go all in. See, it's time to go all in with a boldness and authority that God has called us with. 
The story is that Joan of Arc was a mere 17 years old when she led the France armies of France against the English. The armies were approaching. It was, the story was set in English city and thousands were fortifying a particular dis, a, a position. And as she saw this fortification taking place, the story is said that that 17-year-old girl began to scream and, and, and yell, Immediately! Now! Go! Go, go now! Advisors who were much older than her said, Stop! We've got to prepare. We've got to get ready. She said, Go now. If we don't go now, we won't. They were mortified that a peasant girl would say, Go now. But as they saw her, she intended to strike at the very heart of the armies that were fortifying. They said, If you go, no man will follow after you. But that 17-year-old peasant girl had said, I have a purpose. There is something greater than in, in even my life in and of itself. And the history tells us that that young peasant girl went all in because they tell us that she, as she kicked her horse and pursued and went out in front of the armies, it was said that her advisors heard her say, it really doesn't matter if anybody follows me. They'll be behind me and I won't see them anyway. Why? Because of that one move. The army said we can't let her go by herself. And they pursued. And they defeated the armies of the English that day. Because of a 17 year old peasant girl. Don't tell me you can't do something for God. Don't tell me one girl can change the course of history. You can change the course of the world. It's time to go all in. It's that place where you get in a quiet place by yourself. And like Samson, Samuel of old, waking you up in the middle of the night with the voice of God speaking to you. Go all, go all, go on. He's going to equip you. It doesn't make sense in the natural. But what God calls you to do, he will equip you to do. It's that Saul on the road to Damascus that had the clear call that changed his whole direction. It was Jeremiah that said, I am but a child. And the voice of God speaking to him saying, Say not I am a child because before you were born, I ordained thee to be a, a prophet to the nations. What I tell you to speak, you're going to speak. What I tell you to do, you're going to do. Why? Because I put an anointing. I put a purpose. It was Paul that said, You can do whatever you want to. In fact, you can even kill me. But in the end, to die is gain. To borrow those phrases of Stephen Curtis Chapman many years ago, he said just simply empty nets lying there at the water's edge. Told a story that few could believe but none could explain. How some crazy fishermen agreed to go where Jesus led with no thought of what they would gain. But he had called them by name. We will abandon it all for the sake of the call. All in. It's a story of 
one of my great heroes, dear friends, Brother Doug Davis. Anybody from Brother Davis's church? All right. Oh, I love that church. Love those people. Love your pastor and families. It's Brother D.D. Davis' story. Brother Doug Davis, his son, told me about it several years ago. He said, we're sitting down. I said, I just want to hear the story again. And he said, well, he said, it was kind of like this, Brother Hobson. He said, my, my dad's not going to really tell the whole story. He's, he's just so humble. And I, he is. He's he just, in fact, today, he'd, he'd walk out if I probably started talking about this. But he left the Dallas metro area. He and his wife had built a brand new house, had a new car, and new church running over 200 people. Great, great opportunity there in the Dallas metro area. But something had happened to Brother Davis, and that was that he'd heard a little media story that had taken place, and it was a story about Kitty Genevieve. Now, the news media that day had told some pretty radical things. In fact, some of it they said really, you know, did not happen to the great extent, but, but nevertheless, we do know that Kitty Genevieve was murdered on the streets of New York. She was stabbed to death. Accounts of the story were simply this, that Kitty Genevieve had been attacked by an attacker with a knife and he had stabbed her multiple times and she had been able to get away. And she cried for help. And no one came. It was reported and later somewhat refuted, but nevertheless we know some at least heard the call. In fact, reporters at that day said up to 40 people heard the cries of Kitty Genevieve. But no one went to help. She got away from her attacker and could have survived the first wounds that he had inflicted. But because no one came to help her. She could not get away on her own. And therefore he caught up with her and stabbed her repeatedly again. Therefore ensuring the loss of her life. Brother Davis, the D.D. Davis hearing those reports said I just heard a voice of God speak. He said if There's people crying. There's nobody going. I'm going to go. I'm going to go if no one else because I don't want somebody there. And no one stopped to help. And so he left the new car, the new house, the beautiful church, and he took his family Across the nation. Brother Doug Davis tells a story that as they were driving away, he said, Dad, he said, Dad told me to ride with Mom. He said, I, I knew I could comfort her because he had Mom cried all the way out of the house. And he said, Mom even cried all the way to New York. And he said, We get to New York and 
you know, New York's kind of an old place, old houses. So we went into an old, old house then. He said, it wasn't anything like our new house, much smaller. He said, Mom cried when we walked through the door. She continued to cry. He said, Dad drove a school bus just to try to survive. And he told me, he said this, he said, you know, he said, talk about church planning and difficulties. He said, and you know, I know that there's things that happen quickly, but he said, you know, and I'm telling you, I about fell over when he said this. He said, you know, Brother Hobson, he said, it was 15 years before we even knew if we were going to survive. Fifteen years. Just doing what he could. Oh, if you go there today, you're going to drive up to a beautiful complex. Much sacrifice put into that beautiful sacrifice. A great piece of land. And last couple of times I've had the privilege of being there. 700 plus people in attendance. Powerful moves of God. But you may say, oh, that's the, look at them then. But no, I look back at where they were. Because... It was a man who left a full-time opportunity, a great potential. And certainly Dallas needs more churches even today. But oh, Brother Davis went and said, you know, there's just something in my spirit that says, I've just got to go all in. It's not about what I can do. It may not take immediate success. But oh, I've just got to go all in. I tell you today, in the next year, two, three, four years of your life, as you sit here at Indiana Bible College, I challenge you, in the time that you have, go all in. Don't. Don't get your eye distracted on other things. Don't get your eye distracted on, well, if I could just do this or do that. No, no. It's time to go all in. Where, you say, go all in with prayer. Go all in with fasting. Go all in with commitment. Go all in with sacrifice. In the midst of all of that, God will show up. Would you stand with me? Empty nets lying there at the water's edge told that story that few could believe. What? You leaving? Not coming back? What about your nets? Not going to need them. You're giving up a future. No, I'm giving up a past. You're, you're releasing the security. No, what better security could one possibly have than the one? Oh, what about money? Oh, 
he made money. What about property? Oh, he spoke that into existence. What about health? Well, he breathed life into me one day. It doesn't make sense. No, and it never will. But he, he specializes for those that are willing to say, come on, follow me. Just follow me. I'll, I'll, I'll make you fishers. But it's going to be a different type. I wonder if we, we have a few moments left. I wonder if we could just find our way to this altar. And I wonder if a spirit of intercession would move in this place. That God would speak to us. And I wonder if some would just begin to say, God, I, I'm interceding right now for my future. I'm interceding for people even in Indianapolis. There's, there's people I can leave on the pews of Calvary Tabernacle and win to God even while I'm here because God I'm going all in everything 